sets a tempo and everybody else in the band tries to play at a different tempo, the music just sounds terrible. That's what happens. But if you're willing to adjust and say, I'm going to surrender to the timekeeper, you have this opportunity to make amazing things happen, although maybe different than what you have chosen. And I think most of the struggles that you and I have is that we just struggle with God's timing. And instead of embracing God's timing, we fight against it. God set the rhythm for our lives long before we existed. The beat we need to walk to is continuous and good and will bring blessing to us and honor to the Creator. Pastor Daniel shares today how easy and often we try to make our own beat. We are not satisfied to stick to God's timing, but ultimately we end up making a mess of things. If we allow God to make the music and simply hold to His rhythm, everything will fall into place as it should. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 34 with part one of his message, Transition. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy 34. So if you have no clue why people are cheering right now, it's because Deuteronomy chapter 34 is the very last chapter in the book of Deuteronomy, which would be the very last chapter in the Pentateuch in the Greek or the Torah in the Hebrew or the law. It's taken us about five years to make it through these first five books. That's amazing. I mean, you think five years, that's like 1,700 days of our lives have passed since in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now we are at Deuteronomy 34. I've started finding myself being really nostalgic because it's amazing how when you teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, line upon line through the scriptures, like you change as you go. You grapple with things that you wouldn't normally grapple with. I get the pleasure of talking about things that no pastor in their right mind would want to talk about. Like, they wouldn't choose the stuff to talk about. But now that we're drawing the life and the ministry of Moses to a close, the law to a close, I found myself just being really grateful for the journey we've been on. Because God's word is good. And God's word has an amazing ability to meet us right where we are and minister to us right where we are and bring us to the places that God wants to do a work in our lives. And so it's been a great journey through these first five books of the Bible. No, no, I don't want to get too nostalgic because the book of Joshua comes next and we've five down. So we got 61 books to go if we're going to go straight through. And at the rate that we're going, that's going to take us about 61 years. So I'll be 72 when we finish. Praise the Lord. All right, you guys ready? Deuteronomy 34, verse 1 says this. It says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which was across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the 
plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. And so what we have now is this is the last experience of the life of Moses. If you've been with us over the last number of studies, I said that the end of Moses's life is a great example to us. Because what did Moses do? Moses, at the end of his life, right, he talked to all the people who were going to be there when he was gone. He wrote a song. He blessed everybody. And then he went home to be with the Lord. And I think that's a great way to go out. If you use your time, it's, you know, you talk to the people who are going to remain when you're done. You write a little music, you pronounce some blessings, and then you go out. And so, but the last thing that God gives Moses is he brings him up to the top of this mountain. He shows him the promised land. He shows him the inheritance that God had promised, that Moses had been involved in bringing the children of Israel right up to the precipice of the promised land. And he's done that because the Lord wants Moses to see that he is faithful, even though Moses isn't getting to go into the promised land. So two things are going on here. One is we see the promise being fulfilled. And secondly, we see Moses gets an amazing view of the promise that God had made. And I think that's beautiful because even though Moses isn't allowed to go into the promised land, God wants him to experience it. I mean, for Moses, if you remember the story, Moses had been leading the children of Israel for some 40 years at this time. He was right in the middle of God's deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt. He led them through the wilderness, through good times and bad times. But because of his failure to honor the Lord's name in front of the people, when they're at that time of strife where Moses struck the rock, Moses was not allowed to go in. But God says, look, I'm going to show it all to you. I'm going to show you the inheritance. And I love that about the Lord because even though the Lord wasn't allowing Moses to go in, he wanted Moses to have an experience. And you can imagine Moses at the last moments of his life looking upon this land and saying, what the Lord has done. This is the land that was promised. I mean, think about it. He gets a view of all the area from north, south, east, and west. He gets to see not the totality of the land, but this huge expanse of land. And then it says in verse 4, this is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. Now, you got to realize, it has been hundreds of years since God made those promises. I mean, they spent 430 years in Egypt, so from the time of the death of Jacob until the time that they were delivered, that was 430 years. It's been 40 years in the world. That's 470 years. You start back up. This is promises that are over 500 years old that are now about to be fulfilled. And what that reminds us of is that God's timing is always perfect, but it's often never our timing. And I think that's one of the hardest parts of life. Because we have this idea of what timing should be. And what I've, I'm always learning is that God's timing is different. His timing runs on a different timetable. And God's timing is perfect. And mine never is, unfortunately. In a lot of ways, to put it into musical terms, as a musician, you realize that the drummer's job is to lock in the time, the groove. And as a bass player, that's my instrument of choice and passion. My job is to lock in with the drummer. Even if the drummer picks the wrong time, and I would never say a drummer ever does that. 
No better than that. All the drummers are like, that's right, I got the sticks. You don't mess with that, Fusco. But wherever the drummer locks in the time, everything else falls in line. And in this way, God is like a drummer. God sets the time. And our job in life is to lock in with the time and the tempo of what God has. But I think for most of us, we spend a lot of our time resisting the time and tempo of the Lord because we have a different plan. And what happens when we begin to resist is not only, I mean, if you think about in my music analogy, if the drummer sets a tempo and everybody else in the band tries to play at a different tempo, the music just sounds terrible. That's what happens. But if you're willing to adjust and say, I'm going to surrender to the timekeeper, you have this opportunity to make amazing things happen, although maybe different than what you have chosen. And I think most of the struggles that you and I have is that we just struggle with God's timing. And instead of embracing God's timing, we fight against it. And all we do is we create dissonance in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. See, Moses doesn't get to go in, but this is the fulfillment of a promise that we were studying in Genesis chapter 12 and 13 and 15 and 17 and 26 and 28. All these different places where these promises, I'm going to give you this home. And now Moses there is like, this is the home that I'm going to give you. But he is, of course, reminded at the end here, I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So he's reminded he gets to see it, but he doesn't get to be a partaker of it. Now, I've been talking about this all the way along through these chapters, but I realize that there's some of you, maybe you're, you're tuning in for the first time here. There's a number of reasons why Moses is not allowed into the promised land at this time. One of the reasons, of course, was because he did not hallow the name of God before the people. And as a leader, and I believe all of us are leaders, right? I believe that God doesn't call me as a pastor or our pastoral staff to a higher standard than he calls anybody else. I believe we're all called to grow, to progress in the things of God. We're all called to be loving and gracious and kind. We're called to be people of integrity. We're called to live lifestyles that involve worship and prayer and self-sacrificial service. You know, I think all of us are called to that, man or woman. doesn't matter how long or short you've been in the Lord. We're all called to the standard. And part of that life of integrity is learning how to make sure that we are sharing with the world through how we live the proper translation of God into the world. I know for me, the first hurdles that I had to deal with when Jesus was wooing me was the hurdles over people who were Christians who didn't act like Christians. And so what you realize is that your life is not lived in isolation, but your life is lived out loud and other people are reading your life. And for Moses, as the leader of the children of Israel, his role was essential to show the children of Israel, this is who the Lord is. And when he failed at that, he broke a picture that God wanted the people to have. And in the same way, when you and I don't walk in the spirit, we don't walk simply responding to the finished work of Jesus and the prompts of the spirit. When we don't walk in line with that, we begin to reflect the wrong image of God into the world. And so Moses did that. And there was a consequence to that because many people stumbled because of Moses' actions. But another reason Moses wasn't allowed to enter in was because all through the scriptures, Moses will always be a picture of the law, the law of Sinai, the law of Moses. 
And there is a spiritual reality that God wanted to make sure was placed not only in the biblical story, but in all the pictures and types and shadows of the Bible. And that's the fact that the law will never get you into the promised land. That nobody by law keeping, by good works, by all sorts of acts of religion, nobody can enter the promised land by the things that they do. The Apostle Paul writes every letter based on this theme. But what's amazing is even though we have Bibles full of it, it doesn't keep us oftentimes, as for those of you who are followers of Jesus, of trying to work your way into the promised land. Where it's like you almost feel like, well, if I do this and I don't do this, then I'm going to get to where I want to be. And we end up putting our lives on like almost a spiritual hamster wheel. Where every day it's like, I have to make sure I get it right. And really what you learn is that law-keeping never gets us into the promised land. But who does bring us into the promised land? Jesus. Now, who's the successor of Moses? Joshua. What's Joshua's name in Hebrew? Yahshua which we get our word Jesus from. So all of this has to be there. Moses can only bring you to the edge of the promised land because the law is designed to be a tutor until we come to Yeshua, the Lord, God, our salvation. That's what Joshua means. It means God, our salvation. Yahoshua, two words in the Hebrew slammed together. God, our salvation. And so Moses was never going to be able to bring us into the promised land because that's Joshua's job. That's the Lord's job. And Joshua is a great picture of that. But again, don't miss this. I'm going to talk about this a little more in a second. Moses did make it into the promised land, didn't he? In the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that story? Where Peter, James, and John went up with Jesus onto a high mountain and Jesus' glory as God was clothed in skin in the incarnation in Jesus in flesh, when it turned outward... It's such a beautiful picture. You might not even think about it in these ways. If you remember the story of the tabernacle, right? That mobile worship tent. All of the beauty was on the inside. On the outside, it was almost covered over with waterproof skins. That it was nothing beautiful. It was totally humble on the outside. But if you walked into the tabernacle, there was all the curtains and they were embroidered and all this beautiful, the candelabra. But it was all on the inside. That's a picture too, because Jesus is the living tabernacle, the living temple. On the outside, when Jesus came, he's just a human being, he's just skin. But on the inside is the perfections of God. But on that mount of transfiguration, as we call it, Jesus' essential glory that was clothed in humble skin turned outward for a moment. And those disciples saw it. And if you recall, Moses and Elijah came and spoke to Jesus. Remember in Peter, Peter being Peter, the great encouragement for those of you who have foot and mouth disease, right? Peter's like, Lord, it's so good that we're here. We're going to make tabernacles for you, for Moses and Elijah. And then the Lord spoke and said, no, 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 listen to my son. Like, you, buddy, shh. That's what the Lord, because I love Peter in the Bible. I think God chose Peter to be an apostle just for me, because I'm that guy, you know? I'm like, Lord, I got this great plan. The Lord's like, shh, just listen to Jesus. You're going to be fine, you know? But it's beautiful that Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land, but because of Jesus, Moses ends up in the promised land. And you know what that speaks to? There are many of you right now who, you've been caught up in works righteousness, You've been caught up in the, if I do this, then God will accept me. And there's all sorts of fringe groups, 
formerly called cults, now they just try and call themselves churches. It's works righteousness. It's you have to do all these things and then God will accept you. The Bible actually teaches that you put your faith and trust in Jesus and God accepts you. And then because, amen, that's the good news. Jesus is perfect. And because we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we've been robed in his perfections. And then we live our lives differently because of who Jesus is. But we don't have to do these things so God accepts us. We do these things because we've already been accepted. So it's not like if I do this, now God's going to give me what I want. It's God has already done a work in my life. And because God has done that, I live differently because everything's different because of what God has done for me. And one, it speaks to a motivation that I have to win God over every day. I have to put God in my debt by all these good things that I do. And the other one says, I'm already in God's good graces. So I'm just dancing, so to speak, in the presence of the Lord. And I live with this joy in my heart. And because of what God has done for me, I just live differently. But you'll always know you're involved in works righteousness if your mistakes levels you spiritually. Because what you're trusting is you're trusting in you not making the mistakes you make. Now, I'm not saying we should be light on sin. I'm not saying we should not think about these things. But the reality is, is that when you're motivated by the love of God and when God's love has compelled your heart and you know that Jesus finished the work, then you say, because of Jesus, how shall I live now? And you make different sets of decisions. So it's beautiful. Even though Moses isn't allowed to bring the children into the promised land, he still ends up in it. But because of Jesus. So if you have a background of religiosity, works, righteousness. Maybe you're in some sort of a church where there's, these were the rules. You had to keep the rules. The elders told you the rules and you made sure you kept the rules. Because that was your background doesn't mean that you don't get to go to the promised land, but you only get in because of Jesus. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. And Jesus begins to reteach you and retrain you on how to live. And I love that. Our pastor, Greg, who I love so much, he always says that we're all rental projects. You know, like we're all houses under construction. And it's just a matter of what part of us is under reno at any given moment. You know, and there's some of us, and I'm in that category, who grew up outside of religion. And so I had all such stuff that I did wrong. And because of that, then God's doing reno in my life. And there's others of you who grew up in legalism. You grew up in very strict, non-grace-based churches. And then you come to Christ. And now the reno project's in a different area because you didn't do all those things wrong, but you have a whole other set of issues given the things that you experienced. But the reality is, is no matter what your history is, all of us are being renovated. And if you're here right now, if you don't think you need to be renovated, that is exactly where God wants to work on you. Because all of us have areas that God wants to work on. Because we're not perfected yet. I mean, we're perfect in Christ, but our experience of living out that perfection is in process. So we're all in the process of becoming who we really are in the finished work of Christ. Does that make sense? Now, in verse five, we see what is commonly, it's the death of Moses. Look what it says. It says, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses had ended. Now, this is some very, very fascinating stuff. First, I want you to notice this in verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord. That is an amazingly beautiful designation. Because if you read through the Bible, you find David was a servant of the Lord. There's a number of people who get that designation. And I want to encourage and exhort you 
to live your life in such a way that when people remember you, they remember your name, the servant of the Lord. Because that is the ultimate designation. Because Jesus said, greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. Right? And so if you live your life, my only goal is to be the servant of the Lord. Whatever my Lord, whatever my master wants from me, I am here at his pleasure. If that's the only goal you have in life, then you will live a life that will be drenched with the things of God. I want you to write that down. Put your name down and say, the servant of the Lord. This is what we're going to do. All of us, I want you to say your name out loud. Ready, go. The servant of the Lord. Say your name again and say the servant of the Lord. Go ahead. The servant of the Lord. I want you to get used to talking about yourself that way. Because that is who we are. We want to be the kind of people when the Lord says, whom shall we send? We say, send me because I am a servant of the Lord. See, I love this kind of stuff. I'm always trying to find, because I want to major in the majors. I realize life is full of distractions. There's all sorts of things I can get involved in. But I want to make sure I get the most important things down. So when I see something like this, the servant of the Lord, I'm like, I can hang my hat on that. I can live my whole life saying, I just want Daniel Fusco to be known as the servant of the Lord. In the same way, the idea of love. Love is the point. The art of living is loving. That's the way I like to say it. So it's really easy then every day. Have I loved people today? Have I loved God today? I don't have to worry about, if I get the servant of the Lord and love God and love people right, and if I do that for my whole life, guess what? I'm going to be exactly where I want to be. Not perfect, but those are the big things. A lot of the other things, they're peripheral stuff. So I'm always trying to break a complicated life down into very bite-sized, simple things. And I think this servant of the Lord language is important. Because if you read in your Bible, the greatest in the kingdom is a servant of the Lord. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, said he died there. So now we see Moses. We've been traveling with Moses since the book of Exodus. Now we see him. He dies. And we learn some really interesting things. Notice in verse 6, and he, capital H, buried him, lowercase h, in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. God buried Moses. Jesus is real. Moses' life ended with the Creator who he followed through many adventures. No one knows exactly the details of Moses' death and burial, except that God took care of all the details. Pastor Daniel shared today how the final days of this earthly leader gave us much to learn from, but ultimately pointed us to the sovereignty of God. When we line our lives up with the timing of God, we'll see great things happen we may not have expected. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. 
For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share with us more lessons from the life of Moses. This man may have been flawed, but God used him to lead a nation to a new land, to teach them the life God desired them to live, was able to disciple the next leader to take over where he left off. Moses didn't make it to the promised land as we would have imagined, but he did make it to life with his creator. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Cause and Effect. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.